I think Adam's going to play a different instrument next week. Uh, last week it was the guitar, this week it's the drums. Who knows what will come out next week? The, the oboe or something like that. Who knows? Good stuff. Turn your Bibles over to John chapter 14. We are going to continue our study through the book of John. It is so great. Uh, Cole and Jordan Russell, where are you at? Cole and Jordan Russell, stand up, guys. Where are we? Oh, they're in the back over here. They're going to get baptized right at the end of service. We're going to baptize those guys into Christ. We are so excited about that. That is great. They have their little girl here from Mississippi, uh, so that is awesome to have, to see those guys. Uh, if you are visiting with us, we've been studying through the book of John for the whole year on Sundays. We're going to continue that in John chapter 14. In the beginning of John chapter 14, uh, Jesus is trying to comfort his disciples. Uh, he, Jesus is about to, he's just uh, literally hours away from his arrest at this point. He's uh, on, on his way to the cross in, in some ways. Uh, you know, he's, he's just hours from it. Telling his guys, I'm leaving, and I'm going away, but, but you're not, but you're going to be taken care of. He spends the first half of chapter 14 trying to help them understand and, and, and to, to, to give them encouragement that, uh, by, by telling them, I'm going ahead of you. I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Uh, you, you. You can hold on, and you can make it. You can be fine. He's trying to strengthen them, and, and, uh, and he gives them this vision for their future, uh, it helps them to realize how special they are to him. and He's going to go there and come back and, and take them to be with him, which is so exciting. Jesus spends that time commending them and reminding them and encouraging them, but he doesn't always just leave it there. Uh, and the next text is, uh, is no different from that. He he commends, and then he gives a command. We're going to look at that now in uh, chapter 14, verse 15. Let's read that text together. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. 
If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Let's pray together. Father, it is so great to see that you encourage our souls. You try to calm our troubled hearts. But you also give us great courage in showing us that you provide for us and that you will never leave us alone. And I pray, Father, that today as we study the Scriptures out, that we would that our hearts would be moved and inspired and excited about what you have planned for us. We love you and we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Any of you know, we moved here from Richmond last year. I did want to introduce Bart and Tina Charles. Where'd they go? Bart and Tina, stand up, guys. These guys are from Richmond. They were on the... They, they and Rob Winslow are, were the origi- part of the original team that planted the church in Richmond in 1996. Uh, so they've been in Richmond for a very long time, and uh, we, we are so glad you guys are here ha- celebrating their anniversary. What year? 31 years. We, we, we won't have everyone under 31 years old raise their hand because we don't want you to feel old by that, by that number, but uh, it is so good to have you. So here in John 14, uh, it's, uh, Jesus is, is commended, has commended them, and now he's giving a command. Uh, and and we, when we understand how Jesus has done for us, his command isn't a burden. Rather, it's a joy. We live in inspired, we, we, we live inspired lives when we when we have the right motivation. That's my, my first point is inspired. We don't like the word obey. Uh, in some circles, it's a bad word. When you, when you, you know, in, in, in some weddings, uh, certain, you know, sometimes the women leave, the, choose to leave obey out of their vows. Uh, and, and, hey, you know, uh, to, to each his own. Uh, I, I, I'm, we, we didn't do that, but, but, but we understand it's not just I'm lording over my wife, which I think she appreciates that. I uh, and 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 it's not. It's it's a mutual uh, encouragement and loving. But but it, but because the way the world looks at obedience, it's this control, like someone's trying to control me. My spouse is trying to control me. Who here has ever seen a sign that says "Wet paint, do not touch," and then you you want to touch the you want to touch the wall? Because we don't like to do what we're told. My children are rebellious. It must skip a generation because, you know, it didn't, it didn't hit my generation, but my children can be a little bit rebellious at times. And the first thing we teach our children, if you're a parent, is, is that passage, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And we quote it. And we, and we have them memorized and we put it on the refrigerator and we have it in our family devotional because we want them to learn to obey. But your disobedient children get it from somewhere. Quit blaming Adam and Eve. You're the reason that they're disobedient the way they are. This word, this word for... This word for obey is in some versions. I think the new, uh, the new, uh, the latest version of the uh, New International Version has keep 
the word keep, is he keeps my commands. It's a Greek word that means to, to attend to carefully, to take care of, to, to guard. Uh, it's the same, it's, it's mentioned three times in this text, that same word. It's the word used in Matthew chapter 28, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's not just the simple act of doing, it's, it's, it's taking hold of, it's taking responsibility for, it's, uh, it's taking care of, guarding what we've been given. It, it, and obedience, obedience out of love, it doesn't feel like obedience. It's just the joy to do what God wants us to do. When it begins to feel like obedience is when there's a disconnect between us and God. Because we, we begin to think, oh, well, I have to obey. No, actually, you don't have to do anything. But if you want God to do what he, his the bargain in the scriptures, then you need to live up to your side of the bargain in the scriptures. Obedience is an expression of our love for God. And the amazing promise in this text that I'm so inspired by, so much of it, but in verse 21, he says, He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show himself, show myself to him. There seems to be this exchange. I love you, you love me through obedience, and God loves you, and it's this constant flow, returning and giving, and it's, it's incredible. But it really is the picture of grace and, God, and God's love and kindness and his desire to be with us and to, and, and to, to meet our needs. Obedience is not a word that gives room for error. It's attending to this carefully what the Bible commands. And it implies that attention has to be to it. It can't be ignored or put aside. Uh, you know, we all forget things over time. Uh, I know I forget things. I can speak for myself. I'm getting a little older. I just turned 40, uh, 48. See, I just almost forgot my, my age. Um, I always have to do the math. Uh, I, I just turned 48, and, and I forget things. I, I'm amazed at people that can remember all of their high school buddies and, and all of that, and I, I only remember high school people's names because of Facebook when they come up and say, hey, oh, I remember that name. Uh, but I was in the Navy, and in the Navy, uh, in nuclear power, I, we went through years of training. You do about a year of training, and then you go out on the boat, and you train and train and train. And you it, Back in those days, I could quote to you the startup rate equation and the, you know, how, how the, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, control rod heights and speeds and, and uh, how much it took for the control rods to, to how, how long it quickly shut down the reactor and a fast recovery startup and all these things that you're like, what are you talking about, all this stuff? That's how I feel about it now because I know those names, but just enough to confuse me. Uh, Bill still remembers all of those things because his ability to remember is much better than mine. But, but how did I remember those things? It's because it was drilled into me. Every day we did drills. Every day we were taught. Every day we had to work to keep it fresh so that if something happened, we were ready. I think our Christian lives are very much that way. And we lose our proficiency when we're not... We lose our commitment to obedience even, when we disconnect from the love of God, 
It's not just it's not just we stop obeying. We stop obeying because we are no longer reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ, of how much God loves us, of how much He has done for us on our behalf because of His great love for us. And that prompts our obedience. It's inspired obedience. Not, not the obedience that you did because you were afraid your daddy was going to whoop you. Not that kind of, that's not what it was. I want, as a parent, I've, I've evolved over time, and now my relationship with my kids are, are hopefully that my love for them makes them want to respect things that I say because of their love for me. And there's, again, this continual flowing back and forth. When we're not attending the gospel, we lose our sharpness. We lose our to obedience. And it's because we're disconnecting ourselves from the love of Christ. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. We know that we have come to him. We, we know we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. We all want to be complete in Christ. The only way we achieve that completeness is by responding to the love that he's shown us. The obedience that th through Jesus' own obedience, he expressed love. He loved us in that way, and we, as a result, end up obeying. You cannot say, I love God, and not live in obedience to His commands. And not just part of His Word. Well, I come on Sundays, I'm good. That's not what it says. I mean the difficult things. The call to complete humility. The call to absolute purity. Not even a hint of anything impure or greedy. Loving your wife the way that Jesus loved the church. Wives, respect your husband. Submitting to your husband. Giving up everything. Laying down your life for the church. If coming to church has just become a religious exercise, you're missing the point. Don't do it for the sake of obedience. Do it because of what God has done for you. Obey even in the most difficult of times because that's what Jesus did for you. That's the fact is Jesus didn't tell us this and then not model it for us. His obedience of going to the cross was an example of doing what is hard, even doing what he didn't want to experience when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and begging God, find another way. He was saying, I, I don't want to have the sin of the world on me if there's another way. I don't think it was the pain he was so, so concerned about. It was the sin he had never experienced personally. And he's trying to, trying to fight, but he persevered and said, not my will, but your will be done. 
Jesus modeled it for us. And he sets, he sets us up for success to be able to do, to do what he says. And he finished this discourse by saying, the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Jesus did it, and so should we. That passage I just quoted in John, it ends by saying, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. What a call, what a challenge to walk as Jesus did. But he doesn't just call us to it and then model it himself. He also provides for us being able to have the courage and strength to carry it out. The second point is, we are not alone. We are not alone. Anybody ever seen or listened to the music from Dear Evan Hansen? Dear Evan Hansen, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing musical. I would encourage you to listen to the music. Uh, it's, there's there's a, a, you know, a couple things in there but that, that, that you probably want to skip. But it's, it's generally, it's a really very... It's, I won't go into it. I don't want to ruin the story for you. But, the, but there's, a, there's a song in the musical that says, You Will Be Found. And in this, in this musical, sadly, one of the people in the musical commits, commits suicide. And, and one of the other, the main character, Evan Hansen, actually uh, breaks his arm. And you learn through the story of how he does it is he falls out of a tree. And the, the whole idea is he is so lonely that he doesn't know what to do with himself. And this, this whole, the, the whole play is, is, is kind of surrounded by that idea, but it ends very well, and it's, it's a well, well-written play. I would encourage you to listen to it. But the, the point is, people are lonely. In this world, people are lonely. We're more connected in our lives today than we ever have been. The world is smaller in that respect than ever before. But yet I think people are more lonely today than they've ever been. As followers of Jesus, we are never left alone. We are not by ourselves. In this text, in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. There's a very interesting word in this text. And that word is another. Another counselor. Uh, this, the, the word another, it, it, there's two different Greek words that can be translated another. One is, one is alos and the other is heteros. Alos uh, you, it, it is, is the same exactly like the other. It's kind of, there's, the example would be if I had a Granny Smith apple. And I had Granny Smith apples, and I was, I was going to give you, I said, okay, I'll give you an apple. And if I gave you an apple, but I gave you a, a, a Gala apple instead of a Granny Smith apple. And, and in my apple, it would be, I give you something the same, but different. It's a different variety. That's the, the other word, heteros, is, is that the same, but different. In, in, in this text, it's alos which is the same just like the first. What is Jesus saying? 
He's saying, I'm giving you another helper just like me. Just like me. Exactly like Jesus. Later on, he says, it's to your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, if, then I, you can't get the Holy Spirit. Most of us would say, yes, I want to go and spend time with Jesus. Here, here in, in uh, Romans 8, the, the reason that, that, look at what Paul says about the Holy Spirit. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So much the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the same, so much so that Paul calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. They're, they're, they're identical to one another. There's no loss in the exchange. Although some of us look back in the, old, in the New Testament, wow, surely we understand their obedience because they had Jesus with them. I would be obedient like that if Jesus were right here with me all the time. Who wouldn't? It just takes a very brief the New Testament to see that the people that were walking with Jesus weren't always obedient to Jesus. That's why he has to rebuke Peter and correct and all of those things because they didn't always obey. He uses the term the comforter. It, 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 the Greek term means someone who is called in. It's the reason why the person is, is called that gives the, the word its real me, meaning. It's, he's called in because we are in need. And Jesus says, I'm giving you this person I'm giving you the Holy Spirit because you have great need. The person called in to give witness in a, in a law court in someone's favor or called in to plead the cause of someone charged with a crime. But it's, it's always someone called in to help in times of trouble or need, which is exactly what's happening in this text. They are in trouble and need. But I think it's happening right here among us today. That we are troubled, we are in need, and we need a comforter. We can so easily, though, relegate, when we hear comforter, we often think of it in terms of sorrow. Like we're sad about something, which I believe the Holy Spirit does comfort us in that way. But if we limit the work of the Holy Spirit to that, we really sell short what He's doing. Because, because the Holy Spirit has actually come to guide us into all truth. To give us, to, to, to show us uh, to show us the truth, the absolute truth, without doubt. We don't have to worry about whether what God says is true or not. We can trust that it's true. We, look, we live in a world and a time where people look out for themselves. And sadly, people lie in order to protect themselves. And, 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 and lie to the extent that they can even begin to believe that that, that lie is truth to them. And I know that's what I've done in my past to protect myself. But we have the promise of the Scriptures that John 8, the truth will set you free. The Word of God is truth. The Spirit of God is given so we can determine what truth is. There's no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. No, it doesn't work that way. There is only one truth and that is God's truth and it's found in His Word. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit given to us guides us into all truth. He points us in the direction of truth. 
if a decision you've made and you said, man, the Holy Spirit has guided me to this decision, but it's opposing what the Scriptures teach, then it's not the Holy... It may be a Spirit leading you, but it's not the Holy One. Sometimes we can... We can, we can pro, well, the Holy Spirit has... But, but wait a second, it's pulled you away from the fellowship. It's put you in a place where your family does poorly, spirit, poor spiritually because you've chosen to, to go a way that you don't, don't need to go. To compromise on the commitment to even to one another in the body of believers. It was great sitting down with Cole and Jordan yesterday and talking about the church and, and being a part of the body. Man, they were just so fired up. They were so relieved. They're like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been looking for. This is exactly what I need. Uh, they're so excited about being a part. And it starts with Bruce giving hugs at the door. It always starts with Bruce giving hugs at the door. But, but that's because of the truth that we've been given. We can be inspired by, by all of those things and, and have the body of believers that, where we help each other. If your truth is guiding you away from the Scripture, Determine what truth is when you allow the scriptures to guide your decision and direct the affairs of your life. Not only does the Spirit guide us to truth, but the Spirit rescues us. In, in early in this ver, in, in this uh, chapter 14 of John, he it says, "I will not leave you as orphans." In Galatians chapter one, he says this. Paul writes this in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God seems to have a special place in his heart for orphans. And you know and this is this is without Christ that's who we are. We've been adopted by Christ. And, and 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 if you're outside of Christ today, you've not had that adoption yet. You're on your own. The Holy Spirit being with you are not yours yet. They're available to you. Jesus died for you too. Not just for those that are saved, but for the whole world Jesus died. And you have access to be able to allow your soul to be rescued for eternity through Jesus. And the Spirit rescues us in this way. It's not reserved for anyone special. To God, we're all special. We're all loved. And God has shown us this. If you're following Jesus today, are you listening when the Spirit speaks to you? The Spirit prompts you to do things. Prompts you, directs you to share your faith. Directs you to obey in some way. Or, or have you gotten to the point in your spiritual life that you've stopped listening to the Spirit's prompting? Have you gotten to the point in your spiritual life where you actually have stopped hearing the Spirit because it's just become background noise? If, you, if you've gotten to that place, 
where you're, you, you're no longer hearing the prompting of the Spirit, then you need help. You need to ask someone to help you and to guide you through the Scriptures so that you can deal with whatever sin it might be that has hardened your heart and kept you from being able to hear the prompting the Holy Spirit is doing. Because that's, He is with us all the time if you're following Jesus today. And, and, and God has provided this. You know, the whole idea of having the Holy Spirit. I read a book some time back called The Forgotten God. Many of you have read, written, read it. It's by a guy named Francis Chan. And in the book, I, 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 he talks about how, I wonder what the, you know, you read Hebrews 11 and the men and women of faith in the Old Testament. I wonder what they're going to say to us when we go to heaven. I can imagine it's going to be something like, wow, what must life have been like with the Holy Spirit in you? Because you see, all of those heroes of the Old Testament did not have the Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit did go, come on to a couple of them, but that was it. Everybody else, was it was God telling them and they did it. In faith, they acted. And here we are, the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. What excuse do we have? What excuses do we try to make? Or what are we doing to try to avoid the direction of the Holy Spirit for our own selfish gain? No, you've been given the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and through that, Jesus has a goal. Even in this text, we get to see, we can see Jesus' goal. And go back to John 14 and look at verse 27. He says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You can be encouraged. You can, you, you can be, uh, live a life of peace. That is Jesus' will, your life, which is the, my third and final thought. Live at peace. He speaks of gift. And his gift is a gift of peace. The word for peace is one we, maybe you've heard, is shalom. It never means simply the absence of trouble. It means everything which makes for our highest good. The peace which the world offers us is a peace of escape. It's no peace, it's no real peace of the world. It's the peace that comes from avoiding trouble. Of, of refusing to face the challenges that we have in front of us. But when we do those things, it actually just makes life more difficult. And there's no real peace in our hearts. And it creates dysfunction, and bitterness, and rage, and anger, and loneliness, and all the things I talked about before without the Holy Spirit. Because you can never have true peace without truly being obedient 
to God and His Holy Spirit. We can sometimes live our lives like this. They dress the wound of people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. You can try and tell yourself, I'm at peace, I'm at peace, I'm at peace. You can white-knuckle it, but if you're not allowing God's Word to direct you and the Holy Spirit to inspire you, then you're not at peace. You may be at peace because your conscience is clear, but maybe your conscience is clear because it's not allowing the Scriptures to be the standard of your life. Paul himself says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. A clear conscience doesn't mean you're innocent. But we want true peace. When you live your life outside of Christ, I know for me, I was worrisome, full of guilt that I couldn't get rid of, full of questions that I had no choice, no hope of having answered, because all I allowed to, to reign in my life was selfishness. It was all about me. There was no peace about my life. No matter how hard I tried in myself, I had no chance. Not to mention the fact that when it all really was silent, I had no confidence of my eternity. Since what would happen to me when I died, I was not at peace at all. We try to find peace in all the wrong places. Through impure and immoral relationships, alcohol, or drugs, or we just work more or we just spend more money, or we just buy stuff and get into greater debt, thinking, oh, that'll, that'll, that'll give us peace. Surely now I'll have the peace I'm looking for. No, you won't. And that peace until you find the truth in God's Word. It's no peace at all. But the peace that Jesus offers us is the peace of, of conquest, of a victory that's been won, and you can celebrate it, and, and it's yours to enjoy for the rest of your life. Your king, the kingdom of, of God begins, your salvation begins the day you're saved until for eternity you get to enjoy that. But if you choose to oppose God, the opposite is the case from now to eternity as well. Which are you going to choose? Jesus has set you up to have a life of peace. A peace that is almost indescribable. A peace that no experience of life can ever, can, can ever take, take it from us, this kind of peace. Where there's no sorrow, and there's no danger, and there's no suffering that can ever make it less. It's independent of outward circumstances, your situation on your job or at your school or, or wherever or at your home with your spouse, with your children. It doesn't matter when you have peace that Jesus describes, that we get only from Jesus. Is your life at peace today? 
Would peace be how others would describe your life? If you're not sure, I want to encourage you and even challenge you to ask someone. Ask someone if peace and peaceful would be how your life could be described. And if it can't be described that way, get help. If you're not yet following Jesus and you're lacking peace, get someone to get in the Bible with you, to teach you, to show you, to encourage you so that you can have the peace that can only come through Christ. This peace only happens when we truly commit ourselves to obeying Christ. Obedience that is inspired by the love of Christ. Not for the simple sake of doing what it says, but because of what Jesus has done on my behalf. Responding to His love with love, being given the Holy Spirit of God, dwelling within us, the Spirit of Christ. It's just as good as if you had Jesus with you right now. If Jesus were here, and that's all we had, and we were told Jesus is in Jerusalem, everybody would try to flock to Jesus. Your chances of getting Him among the billions that would try to visit are nil. You would never be able to. And maybe if you went, you'd touch His cross, His cloak. But now what you have inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, the Spirit of Christ. You have access every day. You can talk to Him every day. You can ask Him for help every day. You can be comforted every day. You can live at peace every day. And that's God's will for our lives. Amen, church. Let's live that way on the peninsula.